This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. of the Michael Deacon program. Thank you for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are yet again on a night like this, live and direct right now on YouTube and heard around the world. Hello to you out there in the Hudson Valley. You can find the podcast rendition of this program by searching Michael Deacon on all popular media platforms. Joining me tonight, back by popular demand yet again, is Dr. Jim Fetzer. He is live and in the building. He is the author of multiple books that you can find over at moonrockbooks.com. He, of course, has researched extensively on a magnitude of subjects throughout the years. Now, without further ado, let's get down to brass tacks and bring in Jim Fetzer and my co-host, Mike Hideous. Everything all right? Everything's fine. Welcome back, boys and girls. And I don't mean girls, I meant men. Mike and Jim Fetzer, how, how are both of you doing? Terrific, terrific. Great to be back with the two of you again. No. Hello, Mr. Deacon. I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. I'm and glad hello, you're Jim. here. Yes, Mike, good. Glad all of you are here. That is exciting. And once again, Jim, thank you so much for being a part of the program. Always an honor and a privilege. Can you believe what's going down in 2020, Jim? Michael, it's the greatest load of bullshit in world history. This oh may be, in fact, a greater scam than the moon landing, and that took quite a record. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just ridiculous. I have been searching high and low for evidence that there's a pandemic, and it is not to be found indeed. Precisely the opposite turns out to be the case. Oli Domagard, for example, with whom I have done many interviews, a research colleague, he actually designed the covers for Moonrock books. Michael, I'll bet right. you didn't know that. I didn't yeah, know Oli's that. Oli's a very clever guy, also smart enough not only to crack false flag events, but on the basis of clues left behind to predict where the next one's going to take place. It was he who outed the, the major NATO operation, which may or may not have contributed to this coronavirus business. I have a colleague with very good contacts in Intel 
who thinks that NATO is trying to use this to reassert its existence as being something of significance and for multiple other reasons. But I want to acknowledge there are different rationales behind it. The fact of the matter is it's all, it's a psyop. It's a political pandemic. It's not a medical emergency. Here is some of the evidence I would advance. Oli sent me the European uh, mortality rates for all the countries in Europe, including Austria, Belgium, Germany, Estonia, Finland, France, Germany, Luxembourg, Malta, Netherlands, Norway, Portugal, Spain, Sweden, Switzerland, UK. Now, surely, if there were this global pandemic, as we're told, we would find some increase in mortality. But not only is there no increase in mortality for any of those European nations, actually, as I look at these tables, there's actually a diminution, a falling in mortality. Right here at home, <clears throat> Jason Goodman, who has his, his uh, program, Crowdsource the Truth, with whom I've had some disagreements, actually picked up on a story in the New York Times claiming that a woman doctor at Elmhurst Hospital, which is supposed to be the heart of the coronavirus outbreak in New York City, insisted they had insufficient ventilators. But in the same story, they reported the hospital denied that. So Jason quite astutely decided to go down to check it out, went down with a camera, looked all over the place, high and low, couldn't find anything going on, no signs of any crowd there. There were a few lined up for coronavirus testing, but look, frankly, it was quite minimal. Then we have a German journalist who went to a hospital that had been reported to be teeming with coronavirus patients. You know, raising the question, how can the doctors cope with this surge and finds no one there, no one there, no one there. Then it turns out that CBS News in their New York City report for March 25th, just a few days ago, showed a activity in a clinic treating coronavirus patients that was a rebroadcasting of film from Italy in March 22nd, March 22nd. There's so little coronavirus activity in the United States that CBS has to recycle footage from Italy. Then we have, and this is quite recent, a video. Americans ask why hundreds of hospitals are empty. Why hundreds of hospitals are empty. I mean, it's just simply ridiculous, the situation we're in. Candace Owens, who actually has a, a mainstream presence, has observed in a tweet that the number one killer in America is heart disease. Michael, 1,002 people die every day from heart disease. But what they're doing now, if you die from heart disease and you're an asymptomatic carrier of COVID-19 in your postmortem, they add you to the death toll of coronavirus victims. In other words, this is really, frankly, absurd. You can have coronavirus and you can die but that doesn't mean you died because of coronavirus in Italy, for example. 99% of the Italian victims had one or more additional complicating factors, and most of them were higher in age group in the 70s and 80s, where those complicating factors included high blood pressure, diabetes, and heart disease. The victims in Italy, allegedly of coronavirus, who lacked any of those three complicating factors was less than 1%, less than 1%.
Here's another tweet. I work in medical examiner's office. Suicides and murders are being classified as COVID deaths if they carry the antibody. It's a numbers game and a sham. Indeed, I've been doing a series of special reports with Dean Ryan out in L.A., with Mike Bear up in Seattle, which are two areas where coronavirus is supposed to be especially prevalent. And among the other discoveries we've made is that Dean learned from an inside source that the company producing the coronavirus test kits had them designed to guarantee false positives. No wonder Hillary is calling for more deaths. But here's the topper. Here's the topper. I just got this today from a research colleague in Ireland. Worldwide deaths, January 1st through March 25th, January, February, March, right? That's virtually the whole first quarter of 2020. Stunning the number of deaths from abortion. There are nearly 10 million deaths from abortion, deaths from hunger, 2,400,000, from cancer, about 2 million, from smoking, 1,200,000, deaths from alcohol, around 600,000, from HIV AIDS, around 400,000, traffic fatalities, over 300,000, suicides, about 250,000, malaria, 228,000, deaths by seasonal flu, 113,000 deaths by coronavirus, 21,297. So what are we getting excited about? This is completely absurd. So, Jim, let me get this straight. You believe that this is not a pandemic at all, that everyone is sort of bullshitting the issue. So are you telling me that Trump is also lying when he and, went and on tonight? Before you answer that question, go ahead, Michael, finish. But when you're, when you're done with that question, Michael, I have something to add to the question. So before you answer, Jim. Go ahead, Michael. No worries. So you're telling me that Donald Trump was lying today to the American people when he added 30 days to the uh, self-quarantine. Is that correct, Jim? I'll, I'll tell you, Michael, I have been heartened heretofore by the fact he was talking about getting the country back to work by Easter. Now, he's extended this now to the end of the month, which is frankly absurd. Let, let me just comment on this in some detail because it's so cons consequential. It turns out there are 5.7 million companies in the United States, nearly 6 million companies in the U.S. 90% of those 6 million companies have fewer than 20 employees. It turns out that 75% of those companies, of those small businesses, cannot last a month with zero revenue. Now, get this. The Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis President James Bullard told Bloomberg News that this is a planned, organized, partial shutdown of the U.S. economy in the second quarter, that the overall goal is to keep everyone, household businesses, whole enterprises shut down. It's a huge shock. We're trying to cope with it. But he's predicting that in the third quarter, we're going to have a resurgence. By the fourth quarter, we're going to be booming. So some are beginning to use the word plan or plandemic rather than pandemic. It's very clear what's going on here isn't at all what we're being told. And where Bill Gates, I dare say, appears to be a key player, uh, Bill Gates has for years now given public symposia where he warns not against the, 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 the risks or hazards of nuclear warfare, which most of us think is the number one risk on the scene for planet Earth, but about a global pandemic. He gives all these symposia, talks about global pandemic. He, he 
appears to hold the patent on the coronavirus, on this novel coronavirus, so-called, where the ordinary coronavirus is the ordinary flu virus, and it's, it's all over the world. In fact, there's reason to suspect there may be a 5G aspect to this, because in Wuhan, where this coronavirus outbreak uh, is alleged to have originated, it is also the center of a 5G rollout. They have tens of thousands of antennae in Wuhan, and uh, comparison studies have shown where they have 5G, which among its various debilitating effects, because 5G is very uh, unfavorable to human beings and other living things, is a diminution in the immune system. So if you're exposed to 5G, your immune system is weakened and therefore threats to the environment you'd ordinarily resist effortlessly. The proverbial water off a duck's back become major threats. Now, Gates has been making all kinds of claims. He's far, far too prominent in all of this, uh, calling for vaccination certificates in order to fly. In other words, you're going to have to have a a certificate showing you've been vaccinated before you can get on an aircraft. Oh, right. It's disgusting. And don't worry, Jim, we, we have audio uh, to play of uh, Bill Gates during one of his yeah, TED Talks where he talks about right. that. We have but, audio, but, so we'll, we'll roll it here soon. Oh, well, this guy is, uh, is a real problem. I mean, I think he's a loon, frankly. I mean, a guy's rich. A lot of people think if they're rich that they're smart. Well, Gates was at one time a smart guy, but I become—I believe he's had a conversion and he's, you know, gone off into some deep space where he's lost his bearings. Meanwhile, Dr. Fauci has confirmed his friendship with a WHO director general, and both are connected to the Clinton Foundation. So that I have arrived at the disconcerting conclusion that the key players in all of this are Hillary Clinton, Bill Gates, and Anthony Fauci. And let me just say, it's extraordinarily interesting that Fushi has just co-authored a paper in the New England Journal of Medicine for March 26, uh, talking about the latest threat to global health being the ongoing outbreak of the respiratory disease that was recently given the name coronavirus COVID-19, recognized in December of 2019, rapidly shown to be caused by a novel coronavirus, novel coronavirus that's structurally related to the virus that caused severe acute respiratory syndrome, that's SARS. Further down in the article, it makes this point, which is extraordinary. If one assumes that the number of asymptomatic or minimally symptomatic cases, that is to say, those who aren't showing any signs, which would include high fever, running nose, coughing, difficulty breathing. If one assumes the number of asymptomatic or minimally symptomatic cases is several times as high as the number of reported cases, which is undoubtedly true, undoubtedly true, that the number of those that aren't reported is much, much, many times greater than those that have been reported. Then the case fatality rate may be considerably less than 1%. This suggests that the overall clinical consequences of COVID-19 may ultimately be more akin to those of a severe seasonal influenza, which has a case fatality rate of approximately one-tenth of 1%, one or a pandemic influenza similar to those of 57 and 68, rather than a disease similar to SARS or MERS, which have had case fatality rates of 9 to 10 percent and 36 percent, respectively. In other words, the whole thing is bullshit. And even Anthony 
Anthony, uh, uh, the guy at the top, uh, Anthony Fauci, is admitting it in an article published in the New England Journal of Medicine, which is among our most prestige. And just to, just to round this out, I have been publishing a lot about this on my blog. And one is uh, 12 experts questioning the coronavirus panic. I mean, these are 12 world-class experts. Let me give you the reports from a few of them. Dr. Sutret Bakta is a specialist in microbiology. He was a professor at the Johannes Gutenberg University in Mainz, head of the Institute for Medical Microbiology and Hygiene, one of the most cited research scientists in German history. What he says, we are afraid that a million infections with a new virus will lead to 30 deaths per day over the next 100 days. But do we not realize that 20, 30, 40, or even 100 patients Positive for normal coronaviruses are already dying every day. The government's anti-COVID-19 measures are grotesque, absurd, and very dangerous. The life expectancy of millions is being shortened. A horrifying impact on the world economy threatens the existence of countless people. The consequences on medical care are profound. Already, the services to patients in need are reduced, operations canceled, practices empty, Hospital personnel dwindling, all this will impact profoundly our whole society. All these measures are leading to self-destruction and collective suicide based on nothing but a spook. Here's another. Dr. Joel Kettner, professor of community health sciences and surgery at Manitoba University, former chief public health officer for Manitoba province and medical director of the International Center for Infectious Diseases. What he says I have never seen anything like this, anything anywhere near like this. I'm not talking about the pandemic because I've seen 30 of them, one every year. It's called influenza and other respiratory illness viruses. We don't always know what they are, but I've never seen this reaction, and I'm trying to understand why. I worry about the message to the public about the fear of coming into contact with people being in the same space as people, shaking their hands, having meetings with people. I worry about many, many consequences related to that. In Hubei, the province of Hubei, China, where there have been the most cases and deaths by far, the actual number of cases reported, reported is one per thousand, and the actual rate of deaths reported is one per 20,000. So perhaps that helps put things into perspective. Here's one more. Dr. Peter Grosich is professor of clinical research design and analysis at the University of Copenhagen and founder of the Cochrane Medical Collaboration. He's written several books on corruption in the field of medicine and the power of big pharmaceutical companies. What he says, our main problem is that no one will ever get in trouble for measures that are too draconian. They will only get in trouble if they do too little. So our politicians and those working with public health do much more than they should. No such draconian measures were applied during the 2009 influenza pandemic, and they obviously cannot be applied every winter, which is all year round, as it is always winter somewhere. We cannot close down the whole world permanently. Should it turn out that the epidemic wanes before long, there will be a queue of people wanting to take credit for this. And we can be damn sure draconian measures will be applied again next time. Remember the joke about tigers? Why do you blow the horn? to keep the tigers away. But there are no tigers here. Yeah, see what a great job I'm doing. 
This is all bullshit, all bullshit. So with that said, when President Trump warned of a painful and tough two-week stretch ahead, he's basically lying to the American people. Is that what you're telling me, Jim? There are two alternatives here, and I'm hopeful one is right and the other is wrong. Either he's been played by these medical authorities, and I'm hopeful that is not the case, or this is merely a feint to make it look as though he's going their way so as not to reveal his actual plans. Now, I have several sources who are convinced that we're going to have a couple of days of blackouts of the Internet, and that during the blackout of the Internet, those who have been on this list of unindicted, you know, these are, these are sex abusers, pedophiles, other dip, dip, deep state miscreants, We've known there's a vast number. Q has been talking for a long time about the perp walk and all that. May, may be rounded up. There are various signs that this, in fact, may actually be taking place. For example, I mentioned I'm doing these special reports with Dean Ryan and Mike Barrett. Well, Dean noticed that there are blackouts taking place, and the blackouts that are taking place seem to correspond to areas where you have the highest number of these perps for whom there have been warrants issued, but who have yet to be arrested. And he also told me, I found this rather striking, that today uh, at uh, 2.30, as I recall, the president had on his agenda a long conference with internet providers. I find that fascinating. I just congratulated Dean for that discovery because it may be that Trump is going to actually succeed in turning this event to the advantage and benefit of the nation. I do not believe he would have been involved in the planning, but I do believe that if he learned it was going to come, he could take measures under the extraordinary circumstances that would thereby be created to benefit the nation, one very striking has already taken place. He has essentially folded the Fed into the Department of Treasury. In other words, Donald Trump is now the chairman of the Fed. Amazing. Uh, Mike, did you want to ask a question here? Um, two parts to my question. First, actually, it's a statement. Uh, I actually had... I actually had a very similar thought concerning the fact that I felt there was a possibility that President Trump had been somewhat um, maneuvered into this position um, by – if you remember a while back, there were those people like Jim Maher, uh, uh, the guy who does the television show. I think it's Jim Maher, um, who were actually looking or hoping for um, – some sort of a, 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 a fall in the economy, like a, I think he said a recession or something, so that President Trump wouldn't win the 2020 election. So I'm wondering if there's anything to do with that, number one. Number two, my question to Jim is why Why would this happen? Why would there be some sort of um, conspiracy uh, to use a, a virus, um, in this case a, a flu virus, to uh, shut everything down. Why, can you explain why this would be happening? That's a great question, Mike. I look at this politically. 
the Democrats have wanted to get rid of Trump from the beginning, even before the inauguration. The day of the inauguration, Madonna was having talking about having dreams of blowing up the White House. It's been lunatic from the beginning. Now, we have gone through a succession of increasingly more peculiar events here in efforts to get Trump out of office. We had the Russia hoax. I can go into that at great length. I've even published a book about it entitled Exposing the Russia Hoax, where there wasn't any Russian hacking. There was leaking from inside the DNC by Seth Rich, who was the IT guy and a Bernie Sanders supporter who was disillusioned at the way Debbie Wasserman Schultz was sabotaging Bernie's campaign by, among other moves, transferring 13 primaries that Bernie had won to Hillary's column to guarantee she would be the nominee. We know Seth downloaded the contents of the DNC server directly to a memory stick with the assistance of Kim.com. I have had Bill Binney, our nation's leading cybersecurity expert, on my own show to confirm what I'd already read of his assessment to wit that the downloading took place at a rate far too fast to be from distant Russian hacking and was done in the Eastern time zone, where Kim.com, a familiar Internet personality, has acknowledged assisting Seth Rich in the process, where he appears to have got the information to Julian Assange by way of uh, Craig Murray, who's the UK ambassador to Uzbekistan. I could say more, but I'll leave it at that point now regarding the Russia hoax, which fell completely apart when uh, Mueller, Robert Mueller, came and testified to Congress, didn't know the contents of his own report. It was clear this was all a fabrication. He'd not even gone back to the Christopher uh, dossier, the Christopher Steele dossier, where Steele himself, now it must be now nearly a year since Steele in court in England under oath testified that he'd prepared it as opposition research as an employee of the DNC and Hillary Clinton. With a failure of the Russia hoax, we had Russia hoax 2.0 vis-a-vis Ukraine. Now, what was so perverse about the Ukraine business is that the Democrats were attempting to foist off on Trump what the vice president under Obama had actually done, because Joe Biden had actually gone to Ukraine. He had threatened to withhold a billion dollars in foreign aid if Ukraine didn't fire the prosecutor who was looking into Burisma, where his son Hunter was on the board with a cushy job for which he had no discernible qualifications at 50000 a month or more, giving them six hours to do it before I flew back to the United States. And he boasted, he boasted about this at the Council on Foreign Relations. We have the whole thing on video. And he turns to the camera and says, son of a bitch, they did it. They fired him. Taking, you know, as he, though he could take a congratulatory lap in a victory of some sort, when in fact he was openly admitting that he had performed the kind of quid pro quo that was falsely alleged to have been done by Donald Trump, but where even the three key witnesses in the whole case, when they were asked flat out during the hearing whether there were anything illegal or impeachable about the phone conversation with the president of Ukraine, all three answered no, there was nothing illegal, nothing impeachable. It was a policy difference. And then with the demise, we had the effort to convert it into an impeachment 
Remember how Nancy Pelosi waited all those weeks. I believe she was working with Hollywood sorts to put together PowerPoint presentations. The whole thing was so very well scripted, so very artful in the presentation, how smoothly it went from one speaker to another. But nevertheless, it failed. Nevertheless, it failed, and deservedly. There are actions that Donald Trump has taken that I personally regard as impeachable offenses. For example, he committed a, a, a preemptory strike in taking out Iran's leading general, Qasim Soleimani, who is a genius at counterterrorism. Uh, Soleimani had virtually single-handedly, using disparate forces from Hezbollah, Syria, Iraq, dismantled ISIS, which many Americans to this day do not realize was a terrorist army that was created by Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State. John Brennan is director of the CIA and Barack Obama back in 2012 in order to put pressure on the on the government of Bashir al-Assad, who, again, many Americans still don't know is a democratically elected president of Syria. So anyone who thought we were there fighting for freedom and democracy for Syrians has suffered from the vast propaganda apparatus at work here because Syria is already a democracy. This, this strike, which occurred in Iraq and therefore was also a violation of Iraqi sovereignty, violated the United Nations Charter, which specifies explicitly one nation may make a preemptory strike against another only under two conditions. First, if it has approval of the UN Security Council, which obviously was not the case here, or alternatively, if there is an imminent threat that requires an immediate response, also not the case. In fact, Soleimani was in Iraq on a peace mission that had apparently been initiated by Mike Pompeo. I mean, the perfidy here is outrageous. Jim, I have to we stop are- you there for one moment. We do have a call here for you. I think it might be for you. I could be Go wrong. Caller, what's going on? You are live. Hey, how's it going there, Michael and Jim? A uh, long time no talk to you, Jim. I had you on my show, Sword Point uh, 9. This is James. I, I love the show, Michael. You're always good. I hadn't been getting alerts on you for the past few weeks. I think I alerted you to that. And uh, it's just the same kind of fuckery that YouTube's done to uh, my show and your show and bunches of shows. And uh, I, it's always great hearing James Jim's take, Simplify, Double Dog, uh a lot of people don't know that he was a Marine and an outstanding Marine from all accounts. And uh, any, anyways, this this is just me giving you a shout out live on air while everybody's chatting in the chat nice. room. Nice. I, I always appreciate hearing from a fellow Marine. Yes, I was a captain when I resigned my commission to enter graduate school and earn a PhD in the history and the philosophy of science when I was at San Diego the third year of my four years as a of active duty as a regular officer, I had 15 DIs and 300 recruits under my command at the depot in San Diego, uh, taking them through the training cycle. It was a fascinate, fascinating experience and provided a background for many of the other research activities in which I become engaged, not only in JFK and 9-11, Wellstone, Sandy Hook, the Boston bombing and the like. So Semper Fi, I appreciate the call and the shout out. Now, we are tied to the United Nations. Well, hold on, Jim. Hold on, Jim. One one moment. Uh, Caller, are you still there? 
Yes, I am, Michael. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you loud and clear. I was just going to ask you, are you also in the notion that this is all bullshit, that this is a hoax? Is that what is that what you believe? Okay, now, I, I believe uh, a lot of that for one reason. I'm going to be very frank. The pan, uh, This pandemic is a plandemic, and look at the lunacy of what people hoarded, paper towels, toilet paper. When I have a friend of mine who's a janitor. And his biggest call that he gets is unclogging toilets in the apartment complex he works at because idiots are wiping their asses with a coffee filter. I mean, this is just useless panic. I think the panic will kill more people in the end than the quote-unquote disease. Oh, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. I'm still trying to understand. I'm still trying to understand why. Well, I'm going to get there. Believe me, I'm going to get there. The point is, we have had all these efforts to take Trump out. Now, look, if you were Hillary Clinton and you still bore a grudge, believing that you deserve to have been elected president in 2016 because you believed your own propaganda, and I guarantee everything about Hillary's campaign was fake, she would be in St. Petersburg, for example, and draw 300 pounds. Trump was in Boca Raton drawing 30,000 and to evade the, the public humiliation, they photoshopped her crowds to make it look as though they were just as la- as large as Trump's. There was the deliberate uh, polling, uh, I mean, malfeasance, I mean, totally unprofessional, deliberately oversampling Democrats, oversampling women, oversampling self-identified progressives and liberals. I mean, we even have email that was exchanged where pollsters were openly admitting that their polls were fabricated. So we had a situation where we were getting projections that Hillary was 98% guaranteed to be the next president. Trump supporters might as well not even bother to turn out. And yet, nevertheless, Trump won. And we know from studies by the University of Minnesota and Boston University that was because Voters in rural counties in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, and Wisconsin that had suffered heavy casualties in the Middle East voted for the Trump in the belief that he was the less likely of the two to continue them, about which they were undoubtedly to correct, even though I would like Trump to have moved more rapidly. The point I'm coming to is the following. The greatest strength Trump has going into the election, and this is true historically, was a surging economy and the stock market at a record high. I believe this was uh, Hillary uh, Gates, you know, with the assistance of this this chicken with his head cut off in the National Institutes of Health, completely disgusting guy, Anthony Fauci, and others, the mainstream media, of course, complicit as well, to take away the strongest strengths that Trump has. Hillary... Hillary doesn't care about the American people. Hillary believed that with the collapse of the economy and the fall of the stock market as a consequence of this uh, epidemic, which is frankly psychological and and political and not medical or or, uh, uh, bona fide, uh, that the, the public would turn against him. The actual fact of the matter is it's been the opposite. Trump's Trump's handling of the coronavirus has been so strong that he's getting the highest uh, polls support he's ever had uh, coming from independents and Democrats. 
So even persons like uh, Andrea Mitchell, who you think is uh, such a nice uh, older woman <laughs> and so reasonable and objective, right. has been expressing distress. She's been expressing distress over the coverage of the briefings Trump's been giving on the pandemic because they make him look competent. Believe it or not, they make him look competent. And in fact, just today, I was fairly shocked. Chuck Todd, who's a toady, if ever there were one, before they went to the briefing today, and, and we were on MSNBC, to which my wife is addicted, I, I go back and forth between the different networks because I need to see how each of them is covering. The show I think is the most objective on TV that I recommend the most highly is Tucker Carlson, in fact, who's called out many of the you know, the, the underhanded techniques taking place on the other networks and so forth. But Chuck Todd was saying the president has, you know, gone off the track here, uh, not always talking about coronavirus, but other issues. So we're going to monitor him. And if we find he's going off of the subject, then we're going to cut away as though this guy, Chuck Todd, had primacy over the American people hearing from their president. Well, I'm telling you, it's utterly fascinating what's been going on here uh, because Trump, it's like a war. It's a wartime situation. And we know in times of war, the American people rally around the president. Well, they're rallying around the president. Here, here are a couple articles I just pulled up. Andrea Mitchell, here is skyrocketing approval for Trump amid pandemic. During her 12 p.m. Eastern our show on Wednesday, MSNBC anchor Andrea Mitchell revealed her greatest fear amid the coronavirus pandemic, Donald Trump's approval ratings going up. She fretted over likely Democratic nominee Joe Biden having difficulty getting his message out during the crisis and support for the president skyrocketing. Turning to former Obama administration official Jim Messina, Mitchell anxiously noted, there is politics involved. We've heard very little from, for instance, the more likely, most likely nominee of the Democratic Party, Joe Biden. He's having difficulty hearing, projecting through this crisis as the campaign goes totally on hold. Well, the problem, of course, with uh, Biden is he's uh, cognitively incompetent. He's lost it. He's brain damaged. He's had aneurysms. If you watch the setup, they put up a press conference. They set up a a meeting place right in his home. They had a lectern, they had the mics and the cameras. Biden was absurd. He couldn't follow, couldn't read his teleprompter, was waving his hands, walked off when he was still on camera. It was ridiculous. Get this. Here's another article. More, more Americans approve of Trump's coronavirus response than the media's. More Americans approve of how President Donald Trump is handling the novel coronavirus pandemic than how the media has dealt with it, according to a Monmouth University poll. 50% of Americans think Trump is doing a good job handling the virus, and 45% is doing poorly. Comparatively, 45% approve of how the media, and 43% disapprove. But it's even better. Here's another. This is from the 25th. President Trump's approval hits all-time high in Gallup poll. Now, we know the Gallup poll is a left-friendly and not a Trump-friendly. Last week, approval of Donald Trump's handling of the coronavirus surged on an ABC poll with 55% approving, 55% approving and 43% disapproving. Just a week prior, only 43% approved and 54% disapproved. Similarly, a poll from Morning Consult just four days before ABC's poll formed that 47% of voters approve of Trump's coronavirus, 43 disapprove. Clearly, 
his approval is trending up and fast. So I think the political aspect of this has completely backfired on the Democrats. I will tell you what has emerged here. I'm very, very confident of this, too. We have a new candidate emerging. Joe Biden cannot be the nominee. He's clearly incompetent. He doesn't even want to continue any more debates with Bernie. Bernie is a candidate who, in the midst of this crisis, would have been the perfect Democratic nominee, but he's already bowed out. And, and let me add, by the way, a word of explanation there. Something practically no one understands is absolutely vital to all of American electoral politics today. It, it, it turns out that Biden only came in fourth in Iowa. He came in fifth in New Hampshire. He came in second in, in Nevada. But he went from a five-point lead a week before the vote in South Carolina to a 30-point victory. Now, frankly, that's unheard of. I, I mean, a shifting political opinion under ordinary circumstances is like the Titanic. It's very difficult to get it to move. A surge of that order is unimaginable, except we know what happened. Dr. Robert Epstein, who is a head of psychology today, testified last July to Congress and especially to Ted Cruz that Google has adjusted its algorithms and Google is now interfering in our elections by setting get out to vote reminders to select subpopulations of the American population. In this case, in South Carolina, they sent out to black voters a get-out-to-vote reminder to get out and vote for Barack Obama's vice president. And they got out and they voted. Now, Robert explained, Robert Epstein explained that in 2016 already, Google was involved and that Google had brought Hillary between 2.6 and 10.4 million additional votes already back in 2016. If you want to know how Hillary could have won the popular vote while losing the Electoral College, Google explains it. Uh, uh, in 2018, all the data was supporting Trump. He was even getting support from like 34% of the blacks because he was improving their quality of life because of the surging economy, black unemployment down, and because of his tough on immigration policy. You got to remember those immigrants coming across the border are taking the low-paying jobs and stealing them away from from blacks. So if it's their their advantage that that and they support Trump for taking those steps that have improved their quality of life. I mean, look, frankly, if if Trump can draw anything like you know half of the the thirty four percent, seventeen percent of the black community, there's no possible way the Democrats can win an election. Well, in two thousand eighteen, the Democrats won the House. And Trump should have picked up two or three more seats in the Senate because, again, of Google intervention. Robert Epstein was emphasizing they, they were casual about 2016. They thought Hillary had it in the bag, but they're going to go all out in 2020, and they're already doing it. This is the reason why Biden, who had not won a single primary or caucus in 32 years through three presidential elections, why? He's a dullard. He's uninteresting. He's boring. He has no program. He has no agenda. He has no charisma. Suddenly, he's hot as a sizzling frying pan <laughs> because Google's intervention. And once they started in South Carolina, they couldn't stop. It would have made South Carolina too anomalous. Everyone would have figured out what happened. So they took Super Tuesday, and they've taken all the votes after to make Biden the lead. 
This is a very interesting aside, and I only mentioned it in passing because I have thought she was such a super candidate. It appears that because of the impeachment and because the senatorial candidates were all tied up in Washington, that Tulsi had Iowa to herself. And actually, the reason why the Iowa vote didn't come through as effortlessly as it ought was because Tulsi Gabbard actually won Iowa. And the DNC had to obfuscate that fact. Just think how different the situation would be had that only emerged at the time. I believe it to be true on trustworthy sources, but I can't give you the proof. But it fits. It fits beautifully. And even Tulsi now has, of course, dropped out as well, though I think she's much, much better, head and shoulders better. Biden doesn't want to get up with Bernie because his incompetence would show again. So they're trying to fake it to get him to muddle through, but it's a disaster. Right. The nominee, the nominee for the de- for the Democrats is going to be Andrew Cuomo. Understood. Hold, hold on, Jim. One moment here. Call yeah. him. I'm sorry for uh, leaving you on there that long. Oh, that's fine. I was just enjoying listening to the show, brother. Understood. Thank well, you thank, for letting me yeah, the, the thank, privilege of listening. No problem. Thanks for calling in, man. All right. God bless, there, Michael. Bye-bye. And 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 Jim. Bye. Yeah. Thanks for the call. Semper Fi. Yeah, I didn't mean to leave him on that long. I'm sorry about that uh, to Chef out there. That's okay. That's okay, Michael. No, I'm telling you, look. Look at all the airtime this guy Cuomo is getting. Now, I find him in a very unappealing guy, but I asked my wife. I said, would you be happy with Cuomo as a nominee? And she said, hell yes. She thinks Cuomo would be a great nominee. Well, that could be very, very interesting. But I'm telling you, Trump is such a shrewd politician. I will tell you this, Michael, we'll know long before... We get to the Democratic convention, how this is going to play out. I mean, Trump has to do something about Google because there hasn't been Russian interference in our election. There's been Google intervention in our election. But it depends how Trump handles this coronavirus business. If If he succeeds and is able to get us back to work in short order, he will go down as one of the greatest presidents in history if he doesn't if he fails one of the worst understood and jim under that notion of everything we talked about just now do you believe that this is a dangerous virus no it doesn't appear to be any more significant than a normal uh, i mean look they, there actually is a cure available it's this uh hydro hydroxychloroquine right yeah yes 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 it works like a charm we had a physician in Europe who had 80 patients who were serious enough in their advanced stage to be hospitalized. He gave him that treatment uh, with a ZPAC. 79% of them recovered. We got a guy in uh, Michigan uh, where the governor is going to pull the licenses of anyone who prescribes it, which is about as idiotic as I can imagine. Here it is. Michigan Democrat governor threatens licenses of doctors and pharmacists who prescribe hydroxychloroquine to treat coronavirus, or we have a Michigan man crediting President Trump for for his survival of coronavirus, saying his governor, Whitmer, is sentencing people to death. See, here's the deal. Part and parcel of this whole plan is to force everyone to take a vaccine. This is Bill Gates, big on the vaccines. God only knows what they're going to have in the vaccine. But yes. I tell you, it's not going to be good for you. We'll it's run, not going to be good for you. It's we'll run that audio. Awful. Yeah, we'll run that audio in a moment here of Bill Gates. He was giving a TED yeah, Talk. Well, I, he, I believe it was he's four. He's a monster. He, right. He and Hillary go together like two peas in a pod, two monsters. So, Jim, I got audio of that from four years ago talking about this pandemic and also 
I have audio from the Joe Biden accuser. I'm not quite sure if you heard that interview. Oh, yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. You got all that Biden's coming up. A, Biden is a creepy guy, Michael. He Biden really is. is. <laughs> he really is. Now, let's run the uh, Bill Gates audio here. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, this was four years ago, by the way. When I was a kid, the disaster we worried about most was a nuclear war. That's why we had a barrel like this down in our basement filled with cans of food and water. When the nuclear attack came, we were supposed to go downstairs, hunker down, and eat out of that barrel. Today, the greatest risk of global catastrophe doesn't look like this. Instead, it looks like this. If anything kills over 10 million people in the next few decades, it's most likely to be a highly infectious virus rather than a war. Not missiles, but microbes. Now, part of the reason for this is that we have invested a huge amount in nuclear deterrence. But we've actually invested very little in a system to stop an epidemic. We're not ready for the next epidemic. Let's look at Ebola. I'm sure all of you read about it in the newspaper. Uh, lots of tough challenges. I followed it uh, carefully through the uh, case analysis tools we use to track polio eradication. And as you look at what went on, the problem wasn't that there was a system that didn't work well enough. The problem was that we didn't have a system at all. In fact, there are some pretty obvious uh, key missing pieces. We didn't have a group of epidemiologists ready to go who would have gone, seen what the disease was, see how far it had spread. Uh, the case reports came in on paper. Uh, it was very delayed before they were put online, and they were extremely inaccurate. We didn't have a medical team ready to go. We didn't have a way of preparing people. Now, Medicine Sans Frontiers did a great job orchestrating volunteers, but even so, we were far slower than we should have been getting the thousands of workers into these countries. And a large epidemic would require us to have hundreds of thousands of workers. There was no one there to look at treatment approaches. Uh, no one to look at the diagnostics, no one to, to figure out what tools should be used. As an example, uh, we could have taken the blood of survivors, processed it, and put that plasma back in people to protect them, uh, but that was never tried. So there was a lot that was missing, and these things are really a global failure. The WHO is funded to monitor epidemics, but not to do these things I talked about. Now in the movies, it's quite different. There's a group of handsome epidemiologists ready to go. They move in, they save the day, but that's just pure Hollywood. The failure to prepare could allow the next epidemic to be dramatically more devastating than Ebola. Let's look at the progression of Ebola over this year. About 10,000 people died, and nearly all were in the three West African countries. There's three reasons why it didn't spread more. The first is there was a lot of heroic work by the health workers. They found the people and they prevented more infections. The second is the nature of the virus. Ebola does not spread through the air. And by the time you're contagious, most people are so sick that they're bedridden. Third, it didn't get into many urban areas. And that was just luck. Uh, if it had gotten into a lot more urban areas, uh, the case numbers would have been much larger. The next time we might not be so lucky, uh, you can have a virus 
where people feel well enough while they're infected. I don't know about you guys, but um, Bill Gates is, uh, he's kind of creepy. The source of the virus <laughs> yeah, be a natural epidemic. Uh, almost done. I think done. he's a loon. I think he's got, when you <laughs> watch, start watching all the proposals he's making and these symposia he's organized, you get the sense that he's got an agenda. And, of course, he's been a big proponent of depopulation worldwide. He has participated with other billionaires in these worldwide depopulation programs. Uh, I'm sure I can pull up some of the articles uh, where they're talking about it. Uh, and some of this stuff is going on in close proximity to the viral, uh, you know, being released or, uh, upon us. I, I don't mean to suggest that there are persons aren't dying from this virus, Understood. Uh, Michael. Uh, but I'm saying it, it doesn't appear to be appreciably more serious than other flu pandemics we've had. And you even have Anthony Fauci admitting the same thing in this new article in the New England Journal of Medicine. And when we have a readily available, cheap, inexpensive at hand anti-malarial medicine that works with stunning success, but yet you have some Democratic governors like this Looney Tune out in, in Michigan who won't allow residents of her own state to take a life-saving medication. It's cheap and expensive and at hand. You know, you've got to know that's because they're driven by an ideological agenda. And the whole idea was to impale Trump on this uh, the consequences of this panic, which has been so grossly exaggerated. I'm telling you. I'm looking high and low for evidence that there's a real bona fide pandemic and it does not exist. It's not there. Everywhere they claim it's going on. This is like at Sandy Hook. The police at Sandy Hook claimed that an evacuation of the 469 other students that remained uh, of the 489 that were originally there when you subtract the 20 that were alleged to have died took place at specific locations and times where we have dash cam footage for those locations and times. And like this uh, pandemic, there's nothing there. There's no evacuation taking place. And that's because there was, there were no kids at Sandy Hook and there is no pandemic taking place. I mean, it's just outrageous, Michael. It's so insulting. It is so insulting. And with that said, Jim, I would ask you this. Would you volunteer to be infected with COVID-19? <laughs> Michael, I would be in, I would be in one of those high risk categories. Remember, I mean, uh, you know, I have uh, the, the, the I have several of the maladies that put me in a high risk. I'm 79 years of well, age. Look who's afraid of COVID nineteen? You know, I'm not going to do something stupid. You know, this is yes, like I'm, uh, I'm only messing with you. Would you, you take a gun that you presume not to be loaded and put it up to your head and pull the trigger? Right? I'm not going to do something stupid like that. Of course. But what I'm saying is. This has all been grossly exaggerated. It's for clearly it's a political pandemic. This is not a medical emergency. I mean, go back to that number of deaths I was recording. You know, we, we're not even anywhere near the, the numbers from uh, the normal flu. The normal from seasonal flu for the first quarter would be, in fact, have occurred this quarter. This is for this quarter for seasonal flu, the ordinary flu. 113,034. The number from coronavirus over the same pie period, 21,297. So what do you have? Less than a fifth, less than a fifth of the number of deaths from coronavirus as we have this quarter for seasonal flu. 
And that doesn't begin to get up to the big numbers, which are massively, you know, 10 times greater for malaria, suicide, traffic I agree with you on that, Jim. But the thing is, COVID-19 is still pretty new, though. Mike, we already know how to handle it. Michael, we already have a way to handle it. We have this very good, very effective technique, and it's cheap, and it's widely available, and it works. I mean, look, they're playing games. You know, people who talk about needing clinical trials, this this medication has already been uh, authorized by the FDA. It's already available widely. Anyone studying the phenomenon worldwide recognizes that in countries that suffer still from malaria, like African nations, have have virtually no coronavirus. Why? Because the medicine they're taking to deal with their malaria is also efficacious against coronavirus. By the way, there's oh, another know, there's know, another we drug. Know, we know we know plenty about it, Michael. We know plenty about it. There's an, there's another drug a Russian pharmacist was suggesting as well, mefloquid. I don't know much about this drug either, but it's also another anti-malaria drug that yeah. the Russians are pushing now. Yeah. But but look, the enormity, the enormity of the effort, this has to be coordinated. The mainstream is going all out of its way. You're not hearing the mainstream media reporting any of the facts that I'm reporting right here and now over this show. They're not even reporting that the epidemiologist from the UK whose doomsday pandemic model predicted Armageddon has backed off of his predictions. This is Neil Ferguson. He initially was reporting 2.2 million Americans and more than half a million Brits would die. But now that he has, after we've closed tens of thousands of restaurants, bars and businesses, he's now retracting his model, saying he feels confident our health system can cope and that he's now downgraded the number of UK deaths from 500,000 to 20,000. Okay. Well, if you make a similar diminution from his 2.2 million, that would reduce to about 200,000. And, you know, it's just ridiculous. We're not, we're not, we're just not getting there. And even if we did, I mean, we're just not uh, uh, dealing with anything that's abnormal when you took, take a look at other sources of death. We don't shut down the country because of an infectious disease. Britt Hume made that observation uh, uh, at least 10 days, maybe two weeks ago on Tucker's show. The fact of the matter is we have tuberculosis deaths in 2017. There were a million deaths from tuberculosis. We didn't talk about a tuberculosis pandemic. Every single year, Michael, year after year, fungi, fungi of all things, kill one and a half million every single year. We're not hearing about a fungal uh, epidemic or pandemic. It's all just ridiculous. It's smoke and mirror, propaganda, bullshit. Jim, we still bullshit. got we still got audio to finish, by the way, from Bill Gates here. Yeah, go. Let's roll it. In fact, let's look at a model of a virus uh, spread through the air uh, like the Spanish flu uh, back in 1918. So here's what would happen. It would spread throughout the world very, very quickly. And you can see there's over 30 million people die from that epidemic. So this is a serious problem. We should be concerned. But in fact, we can build a really good response system. We have the benefits of all the science and technology that we talk about here. We've got cell phones to get information from the public and get information out to them. We have satellite maps where we can see where people are and where they're moving. We have advances in biology that should dramatically change the turnaround time to look at a pathogen and be able to make drugs and vaccines that fit for that a pathogen. 
So we can have tools, but those tools need to be put into an overall global health system, and we need preparedness. The best lessons, I think, on how to get prepared are, again, what we do for war. For soldiers, we have full-time waiting to go. We have reserves that can scale us up to large numbers. NATO has a mobile unit that can deploy very rapidly. NATO does a lot of war games to check are people well-trained, do they understand about fuel and logistics and the same radio frequencies. So they are absolutely ready to go. So those are the kinds of things we need to deal with an epidemic. What are the key pieces? Uh, First is we need strong health systems in poor countries. Uh, That's where uh, mothers can give birth safely, kids can get all their vaccines, but also where we'll see the outbreak very early on. We need a medical reserve corps. Lots of people who've got the training and background who are ready to go with the expertise. And then we need to pair those medical people with the military taking advantage of the military's ability to move fast, do logistics, and secure areas. We need to do simulations, germ games, not war games, so that we see where the holes are. The last time a germ game was done in the United States was back in 2001, and it didn't go so well. So far, the score is germs one, people zero. Finally, we need lots of advanced R&D in areas of vaccines and diagnostics. There are some big breakthroughs, like the Dino-associated virus, that could work very, very quickly. Now, I don't have an exact budget for what this would cost, but I'm quite sure it's very modest compared to the potential harm. The World Bank estimates that if we have a worldwide flu epidemic, global wealth will go down by over $3 trillion, and we'd have millions and millions of deaths. These investments offer significant benefits beyond just being ready for the epidemic. Uh, the primary health care, the R&D, those things would reduce global health equity and make uh, the world more just as well as more safe. So I think this should absolutely be a priority. There's no need to panic. We don't have to hoard cans of spaghetti or go down into the basement. But we need to get going because time is not on our side. And that was Bill Gates four years ago, by the way. Pretty interesting yeah. stuff. I find yeah. it kind of weird how Very odd. if... if- if it were indeed, can you hear me? I hear you loud and clear. Yep, yep. I find it kind of weird if this is some sort of setup, how so many people could keep their mouth shut on what might be attempted to be done. So in other words, I, I it just seems very odd, know, right? I, it just seems very weird. It's very well, weird look, because... Look, look, look how massively the mainstream media is anti-Trump, okay? I mean, look, the CIA began infiltrating the media back in the 1950s. I'm sure Michael and I have discussed this probably right. more than once. But sure. they were very successful so that by 1975, William Colby, then the director, could testify to Congress that the agency owned everyone of any significance in the media. And today it's much, much worse. Now, I have a panel of 100 executives from CNN, every one of whom is a dual U.S.-Israeli citizen. I have another panel from NBC, every one of whom is a dual U.S.-Israeli citizen. I have another panel of 100 executives from the New York Times, every one of whom is a dual U.S.-Israeli citizen. Now, there appears to me to be a Zionist aspect to this, where they and the Democrats are unhappy with Trump, which is hard to believe on some grounds, since Trump seems to have been so much under the influence of Bibi Netanyahu 
has to give Israel Jerusalem the Golan Heights, unfund the refugee agency for the UN that assists the Palestinians. By the way, Jim, he's and tested even, um he's yeah. tested positive, by the way, Benjamin and Yahoo. That he what? He tested positive yeah, he, for COVID nineteen. Oh, I'm not sure if you knew that yet. Well, well, it's very funny. And a lot of very prominent Hollywood types are alleging they have been diagnosed with COVID-19, right. which may or may not be a political stunt, you know, to try to get them off the hook. What have you? I mean, I think there's so much going on here. There's a lot so going many on. Different levels, but right. There's a readily available treatment. It's cheap, inexpensive, and all virtually 100% efficacious and the idea, this is unbelievable. Uh, the, the, a U.S. agency just gave Johnson and Johnson $450 million to develop an anti-COVID vaccine. Now, Nick Collerson, who's a PhD historian of science from the UK, he and I have done a lot of things together. I admire him beyond words, wrote to me to say, when I was, when he was growing up, he was told you can't, you can't have a vaccination for a virus. And there was a physician on television tonight on one of these, uh, I think it was on the MSNBC program, who was saying the same thing, that you can't get a vaccination against the flu because it's viral. So what are we doing shelling out $450 billion to J&J for a vaccination against a virus? In fact, why are we even talking about a vaccination when we have a cheap, available anti-malarial pill that appears to be 100% successful? I mean, th- this is very, very disturbing. It gets weirder, and I'm going to make it even weirder for Mike, by the way. Um, I'm not quite sure if you know this yet, Mike, but the U.S. Justice Department is investigating alleged insider trading by lawmakers who sold stocks just before the coronavirus pandemic and sparked a major market downturn, according to the U.S. media. And it's it's also very strange that there was insider trading right before 9-11. Another strange coincidence, right, boys? Well, you know, Michael, that insider trading before 9-11, those were uh, put options on American and United Airlines, which is a form of gamble that the stock is going to drop. And William Hamilton and his co-chair reported they tracked it back to the source of the put options, and they couldn't have had anything to do with 9-11 because it was the CIA, Michael. Amazing. So here they are following the numbers, and they got the perp because 9-11 was brought to us, compliments of the CIA, the neocons in the Department of Defense, most of whom are dual U.S.-Israeli citizens and the most sawed. And they actually track back these put options, which are a certain indication of prior knowledge to the CIA, but are so naive as to dismiss it on the ground that they couldn't possibly have had anything to do with it when they were deeply involved. Not for nothing did George Tenet get this Medal of Freedom from George W. Bush. It was for his collaboration on 9-11. Remarkable. And Mike, what do you make of that, this insider trading? All I can really say is uh, it's an interesting uh, point. Um, It's pretty weird. I'm I'm curious to know what stocks um, were sold. Um, uh, It's just weird. I, I really don't have much of a comment on it only because I don't know what what those stocks were and you know the timing of it all. There's four Republicans and one Democrat by the way that were involved in this. Doesn't exactly say what stock in this article here, but I'm sure I could find it. But yes, that's what went on and that was Diane Feinstein by the way. See, it seems to me that I I always have to say that it it seems weird that if so many people 
are involved in some sort of a, well, for lack of a better word, a conspiracy. Sure. Uh, that everybody would keep their mouth shut. And I mean, no, I don't you're, you're, you're having uh, you're having intermittent intermittent speaking out about hospitals. Uh, we even have a report that in New York they're flying in uh, nurses from all over the country at a hundred dollars an hour, and the regular employees are very pissed off about it. And these appear to be crisis nurses. You know, they're bringing them right in to pretend that they're dealing with coronavirus patients. Hold on, Jim. There's a, a call. I'm not quite sure who it is. Caller, what's going on? You are live on the air. Talk to me. Uh, sure. Good evening, gentlemen. Can you hear me okay? Loud and clear. Did you have yes. a question? Oh, excellent. It's uh, it's Frank. Hey, Jim. It's Frank Bacon. Nice to, nice to hear you tonight. Excellent. Glad to have you excellent. here, Frank. Well, I just wanted to kind of cover the waterfront of what's been what's been going down. So you've got Jim explaining very succinctly how how much of the uh, operation has been unwound, uh, and 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 you have Michael and Mike, I think, who are still very uh, apprehensive about the uh, the possibility of there being a real infection. So um, I just kind of wanted to put a little twist in in the conversation that I'd be okay with you you gentlemen about where this Please. is going. Please. Okay. Well, Jim, it's very clear there's an operation at work here, correct? Yes. Okay. And and large portions of the uh, entire uh, economy are going to get switched over in around the same time that you also pointed out a major change in the Federal Reserve, a 100-year documented corporate control of the entire Western economic system just got flushed down the toilet and it's barely even a blip on the radar because why? Because there's a giant, massive, unfolding catastrophe taking place. Perfect time to take a vacation, sit back and watch the show for those people that can sit back and watch the show. But I, I, I really, you know, I've got to, I've got to, you know, explain to the boys here something. For example, um, you, you work with Louisa, correct? Yes. Okay. We do the goldfish well report every she week, had a, every Monday. A, a guest on her show the other night that was of major interest. I wanted to know if anybody in your circle has has connected the dot for you with her guest on the other night, uh, a gentleman by the name of Austin Steinbart. Are you familiar with that name? I'm not. You go ahead and spell it out, Frank. I'm glad to hear what you got to say here. Great. Well, Austin is in the city. Steinbart, as in the the root word Stein, German Stein, like stone, and Bart, like Bart Simpson, if you will. Now, this gentleman is on the scene now and very vocal about being a, a, a unmasked, an open source, if you will, defense intelligence agency operative, not, not an officer, an operative, and who's very well known among some circles as Q which you're also familiar with, um, of course, correct? Yes, yes, yes. No, Louisa okay. is really much more the follower of Q. It's just interesting that if events that seem to be unfolding as they seem to be unfolding are unfolding the way they seem to be, <laughs> that yeah. Q may have been right in telling us what's going on from the beginning. We even yeah, had the ship. A, I don't know if it was a comfort that actually sailed and, and formed a queue at sea. And, I mean, this is Mike, incredible. Yeah. And Michael and I have, have talked about this as well as Mike. And we pointed out that there's a lot of similarities to 2016 all over again. And I think it was pretty clear in the 2016 election how, how obvious there was an op 
or uh, here's the way I explained it to Michael and how I've been on the record on Michael's show for, for years about this, that there is a civil war taking place, that you do in fact have operatives in a white hat sort of sector, rah, rah, MAGA, and, and, and you know, we're winning the West. And then you also have kind of a latent old 57-year-old uh, coup residual that you know a great deal about, correct? The, the yes. 57-year-old fall of Camelot. Now, JFK, the one thing that yeah. this, this guy Steinbart is very clear on is that this drip drop operation is all about getting the JFK files opened because it would be obvious beyond measure at that point that for 57 years the general public has not even had their own country and that now something yes. is unfolding of such gargantuan magnitude that they literally have to close off sections in order to pull out some dramatic psychic surgery on this entire Western nation, and in fact, possibly the world. You see where I'm going? Yes, yes, yes. And, and Frank, so I, if what you're yeah. suggesting pans out, I have said for some time, this guy is easy to underestimate, but I think Trump is some kind of political genius. I mean, he he not only is the master of the media, he's not only the best at public relations of any president we've ever had, Although Ronald Reagan and JFK were both very good, Trump is their master in this category. And if he is actually pulling all of this off along roughly the lines Q is sketch, he's going to go down as the greatest president in the history of the United States. There's just quite no likely. question about it. Right. Quite likely, he's gone down at least in the last four years as one of the most incredible showmen because he's pulled out of his, you know, he went literally on a stretch for three, four years to be the most MAGA, getting jobs up, getting everybody ready. And then this entire pivot, Jim, of him flipping 180 degrees and almost going into the virtual burner, uh, Bernie Sanders socialist dream, like checks are going to be mailed to people, sit at home, rest, relax, figure out your life. Fuck this world, it's about to get flipped around. And that's exactly the message that I'm hearing from Q unfolding. And I think you need to check with, with Louisa and get a really good update on who this man is that is openly walking out into the public and saying, yes, this has been going on for years. And we are now unmasking this operation that has been clear and actually clear in the minds of some of us for longer than 2017 when the whole Operation Q supposedly got started. It's a much so I have a question. Op. Go ahead, Mike. It, Jump in there. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Frank. I have a question here to everybody. Please. What, pray tell, are we supposed to do? Well, that, I, I, there's a little bit of my soliloquy there. Sit back, relax, reassociate your life, start to figure out a different way. One of the major aspects of this PSYOP, I want to I say this to answer your question, Mike, but I want Jim to weigh in right after I say this. One of the major aspects of the PSYOP is the nature of the psychosomatic effect and the ability for neighbor-upon-neighbor neighbor action of inflicting psychological harm. I'd like for Jim to answer further on that. Well, Frank, it depends, you know, exactly how you mean this to be understood. It is, you're making a fascinating point about Trump really has transformed the Republican Party. You know, in particular, it's no longer favoring small government, but it is favoring the use of government to benefit the people. So that Trump has made, you know, by and large, I mean, obviously there are exceptions, big tax breaks for the rich. You know, I'm not a wild, I'm not enthusiastic about that. 
And some of the complaints issued by Democrats against him on counts like that are well-founded. But for the most part, he's been doing so much good for the country. Just to offer one illustration, calling out the fake news media when it's just massive oh, propaganda machine and, and television, hallelujah. the greatest uh, brainwashing mechanism ever designed by the hand of man. I mean, it's stunning. I, I cannot believe how much we're getting 24-7 propaganda about the coronavirus when I have been doing the homework, consulting my sources, and finding there's no evidence we have a bona fide pandemic anywhere in the world. Nowhere in the yeah. world yeah. do we Chris, have a Michael bona fide pandemic. And yet, right now, my wife is watching MSNBC, and she believes every word that there's this massive pandemic, and she condemns Trump. And she thinks he's an idiot and that Andrew Cuomo is a saint. <laughs> Andrew Cuomo. Mm -hmm. No. So when did the divorce in, papers in, come in? Back in. Back <laughs> after forty-three years, I think we're you know, these are the strongest, the most strenuous arguments we've had in our whole life over politics and since Trump became president. I mean, how, that was the dividing line. I, how, how I, is I, the... I voted I voted <laughs> twice for Bill Clinton, I voted twice for Barack Obama. And, and it had a lot to do with who they were running against because I've sought to support the best candidate. But when it came to Hillary versus the Donald, it was an effortless choice. How is the wife, by the way, Jim? I, I forgot to mention her in the beginning of the program here. Well, she's she okay. She's fine. Yeah, she's fine. Nice. Dis disenchanted with she's, her. She's her calling her lawyer, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Poor, poor Poor Jim's going to be contacting. Can I stay at your place? <laughs> <laughs> He's going to sleep on the couch. Yeah, right. Call it Michael for shelter, right? <laughs> well, thank you for so, the call, Frank. Appreciate man. it. For Absolutely, guys. Take years. care. Oh, my. Now Frank, I hear a chopper Frank, coming over my head. God, I thought Frank might want to tie it off with a bow, but... I'm hearing that a was uh, good. I'm hearing a that chopper coming over my house here. Uh, for those that don't know, I live by a naval facility, so we're going to hear I lots hear of those. I can oh, hear you, it. You I can, can hear, hear it. Rotors. I can hear it. Oh yeah, I they, think it's going to land in your backyard. They get really close, by the way. They fly those things really low. Good lord! And now it's passed. Thank God. You know, I'm looking right now at the uh, cruise of the Comfort, and it did. It made a cue. It did a cue in the water. What did and and this the 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 USS Comfort this big ship which I gather by the way is also the ship that they took uh, detainees down to Guantanamo this is the ship in New York oh interesting right I have not seen that yeah very interesting yeah, absolutely well, what is that what does that mean a queue in the water well normally you don't have a naval ship that's that that sails around to create the configuration of a queue it means it went way out of its way. To, to sail in a in a pattern that represents a cue. I'm just I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. It's a cue. Is, is, is there some it. sort of is there some sort of uh, significance to that? Well, sure. Tying it with cue. Frank was talking about this cue phenomenon. You know, we've had this guy behind the scenes calling. Oh, it oh, cue. okay. I get it. Okay. Yeah, 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 right. yeah. I I thought there was a. Like a, a certain secret message, it was well, that's portraying. A, that's, a, that's a secret message, you know. You you know how to read it, or you don't. If you don't, it's a mystery. But it, you know, I I spend a lot of time aboard ships. 
when I was in the Marine Corps. And I'm By the way, Jim, uh, I always like to say this to former veterans. Um, thank you very much for your service. I, I appreciate your having served our country. Well, it was a great experience for me. I enjoyed it quite a lot, actually. But it was prior to. See, I was in the Marine Corps from 62 to 66. My, Did you, uh, you in Vietnam? No, I was not in country. And that was what I was leading up to. I uh, I went through infantry officer training at Quantico after my graduation from Princeton in June of 1962. And then I was sent to Fort Hill, Oklahoma Armory, U.S. Artillery and Missile School to become an artillery officer. My first assignment was in the Far East with the 1st Battalion, 12th Marines, 3rd Marine Division. We were base camped in Okinawa. And when I arrived there, my unit was in Japan. So I was flown to join them. And my first assignment was to take the fire direction team out to set up for a live fire exercise at the base of Mount Fuji. And as we were lobbing, it was actually a mortar battery. As we were lobbing mortar shells around the base of the sacred mountain with pilgrims in the background, I turned to my exec and said, who calls us ugly Americans? Aren't we ugly Americans? Oh, God, we're so offensive to the world. We we ignore all their customs, traditions, practices. We violate their rights, international rights. We abuse them. We invade them. We loot them. Oh, my God. You know, the history of the United States in the eyes of the world is so totally different than Americans would like to believe in their in their dreams. But there are, uh, uh, we are very much deluded about our very own history. That's why I was starting to talk about this preemptive attack on Soleimani. It was a violation of uh, the U.N. Charter. And because the Constitution, we're tied to the U.N. by, by a treaty and under the Constitution, treaties had the same status as the Constitution. It was a violation of the Constitution that Donald Trump swore to preserve, protect, and defend from all enemies. Foreign. That's an impeachable offense. The sanctions on Iran, for example, for the, the non-existent nuclear weapons program, our own intelligence agencies, back in 2007, and they talk about all 17, but the Coast Guard, for example, one of the 17 doesn't enter into these deliberations. We're talking about the big three, the CIA, the FBI, and the NSA had concluded already in 2007 that Iran was not pursuing nuclear weapons, a conclusion they reaffirmed in 2011. In 2012, even the Mossad came on board and agreed Iran was not pursuing nuclear weapons just weeks before Bibi Netanyahu went to the UN and asserted precisely the opposite. So the, the Iran deal, where we gave back to Iran $150 billion of its own dollars that had been frozen as assets improperly here in the U.S., was a good deal because at least it resolved a major bone of contention, which never had act adequate justification in the first place. So Trump pulling us out of the Iran deal was another way in which he was deferring to Israel that I ta have taken exception to. And him now, his now imposing sanctions on Iran this is a form of collective punishment on the population for the actions by their political leaders that is precluded by Article 3 of the Fourth Geneva Convention. In other words, this is yet another war crime. So that if you wanted to think about whether Trump has violated the Constitution and committed impeachable offenses, there are two bona fide, clear impeachable offenses, violation of international law, violation of the Constitution, and redefining anti-Semitism by executive order so that criticism of the actions of the government of Israel as anti-Semitic is absurd, just absurd. 
gross violation of the First Amendment. So there are three impeachable offenses Donald Trump has committed. The Democrats ignored all of that and went for the nonsense about Ukraine, which was destined to fail. I just say, you know, in spite of the fact that Donald Trump is a, is flawed in many respects, he's by far our, our best, indeed our only hope, and the Democrats have become so massively corrupt. I, I am just sickened by the actions of the Democrats. Would you believe not only did Nancy Pelosi try to load up this coronavirus economic bill with all kinds of absurdities, but now you have Elizabeth Warren trying to pass an anti-gun move under the guise of the coronavirus legislation, making it illegal to own a semi-automatic AR-15. I mean, this is absurd. This is so absurd. This is so sickening. Anyone who ever thought Elizabeth Warren was anything but a phony and a fraud has to reconsider. She is completely a phony and a fraud. Oh, it's not just a Pocahontas where you and I have more native Indian blood in our surging through our veins than she has in hers. It's not only the phony story about having been fired when she was pregnant, which she was actually offered to be rehired. It's got to do with her being a, a, a phony and a fake and seeking to sabotage the Second Amendment, when if anything has emerged from the, uh, the, the forms of chaos that we've been seeing, you know, dimly now in the horizon, but all too close at hand, is Americans need guns to defend themselves. And the Second Amendment was well-founded. And I have heard from members of other nations how they wish they had a Second Amendment of their own. Right. And Jim, I got to ask you this and Mike, both of you. With everything going on right now, do you think there could be a possibility that America could be struck down with a terrorist attack, especially now when we are at our most vulnerable? I I don't see it. I don't see it. I mean, the terrorist attack is the fake pandemic. I mean, it's like Sandy Hook. It's like the Boston bombing. It's like Orlando and Dallas. You don't see these any. Were um, fake, these were all fake events that were presented as though they were real events. Jim, you so don't, they were faux terrorism, but they were acts of terrorism nonetheless, because the whole point of a terrorist act is to instill fear in the population, to make it more manipulable, to promote a political agenda. That's what's going on here. Jim, you don't see any state-sponsored fun. I'm sorry? I, I said you don't see any state-sponsored fun occurring then. State-sponsored fun, as it were, fun. Meaning, yeah. Meaning state-sponsored. Right. Here, here it is. I just came on this uh, firearms licensing thing. This just unbelievable. This, this, this Elizabeth Warren and, and many of the other Democrats. It's just disgraceful. It's like the uh, Jussie Smollett in Chicago. Oh, that no. was just acting. Two o'clock in the morning, he's attacked on the coldest day in Chicago by a couple of alleged racists carrying a bottle of bleach, which, by the way, would have been frozen solid, had just happened to have a noose looking for an obscure actor on a television program who happened to be gay and black and to be the nephew of Kamala Harris. He's tested positive idea, for a coronavirus. The idea was to give a boost to her anti-lynching bill. Uh, that she and Cory Booker were pushing, for which there was no discernible reason or justification, so they could start talking about a modern-day lynching with the Jesse. The two Nigerian brothers involved there were on the scene. The one was Jesse Small's personal trainer. The other guy was an extra on the set. I mean, he paid him with a personal check. I mean, the whole thing is just so absurd. Right, I mean, I'm right. telling you, and you don't get the mainstream media reporting even 
nonsense as manifest and obvious as that massive pile of bullshit. Now, let me ask you, Mike, the same question. Don't you think right now would be a great time to strike down America with a terrorist attack when we are at our most vulnerable, Mike? First of all, I think anything is possible. Um, right. However, I, I, it is my personal belief that since our president has come into office, a lot has changed. And I think we have upped security in almost every different uh, type of uh, – what would the word be? In every different department. Yeah, every branch, category. you think? Yeah. Yeah, every branch of mm -hmm. every department. So whether it's uh, scanning the internet or the phones or – yeah, I, I mean, that's my opinion. Anything is possible, but that's my opinion. And, and furthermore, there is at the same time, I believe sort of that there is always a, in this case, all right, in this case, we've got everybody scared. Sure. Uh, yes. So you're not traveling as much. Uh, you're, you're, you know, what, what could they possibly do? I mean, there is the possibility of a, you know, pro you know, maybe a hospital bomb or something like that. But maybe, yeah. there's no traveling, so they can't do that. There, you know. But as I said, anything is possible. Never these, know. If these sons of bitches want to try yeah. to do something to the American <laughs> people, they're going to try and do it. And yeah. hopefully, we will string them up by their nut sacks and 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 beat the living crap out of them until they're dead. That's how I feel about terrorists. Amen. I understand. Anything is possible. And that's the reality of what we live in uh, today. And there's nothing scarier than reality, as I like to say on this program, uh, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> nothing scarier than reality. We're living in a pretty weird time, Michael. Sure I'll are. just say, Some if weird Trump shit. pulls this out, if, if, if something along the queue lines, as Frank was hinting, and as I think even Mike thinks might be possible, is actually taking place, he may go down as the greatest president in American history. If he fails in getting the country back to work and bringing about our economic resurrection, and that's why I like the idea of having us back to work by Easter, which obviously in terms of Christianity and theology represents the resurrection of Jesus Christ, even though I'm an agnostic and have no religious beliefs, it's a suitable metaphor for the resurrection of the American economy. Because, right, you know, every day that we're left in this standstill situation is uh, business financial transactions uh, that will never be recovered, can never be recovered. They're gone forever. And, the, you know, the unemployment rolls, I mean, it's just stunning. I will say there's only one person in the world that I think could cope with this, and that is the man who's in the office now. So I, I, I'm hopeful but but I hope not naively that we might come through this intact. But if we do, it will only be because of Donald Trump having been president of the United States. And you voted for Obama. And I'm still shocked by that. Shame Jim. on you. I know. My God. <laughs> well, who was he running against? Uh, John McCain, for God's you're, sake. You're absolutely I mean, right. There was yeah. no choice in the matter. Yeah. But still, I yeah. would have voted. I would have voted for a flea if it was running. <laughs> well, you know, at this point, right, I mean, I know so much more about Obama just as I know so much more about Hillary and the Clintons. I mean, these people are monsters. Well, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you, Jim, I'm, I'm, I, can't vote. Been I can't vote for another Democrat after this, uh, to be honest with you. I've been oh, very I, I disappointed. Absolutely not. Yeah, I've been the disappointed Democrats with them. So, 
they have completely discredited themselves. You're 100% correct, Michael. And the fact that Nancy Pelosi, let me see, I had it here. Nancy Pelosi wanted, this is in the context of the economic collapse of the country, $90 million for an HIV program, $7 million for one specific D.C. charter school, $300 million for the Corporation of Public Broadcasting, $300 million for migration and refugee assistance. I mean, this is rubbish. Right. Yeah. It's Yeah, and and Michael Michael mm-hmm. like you just said you could you could most likely never vote for a democrat again. Probably not. And as and as we all agree here the the and and I don't know if I've told you this last time we spoke Jim, but I was a democrat, a liberal, politically correct democrat for 26 years. And it was it was Hussein Obama who who changed my thoughts on that and his entire administration and the and the things that he did while everybody was yelling hey hooray hooray Obama hooray you know things are going to change you know we can do it and and I just sat back and I said this can't be right because the guy came out of nowhere and I have several several thoughts as to why he won won the election which I'm not going to get into. But at the same time, I watched him bring this country down and I was appalled. And how he won a second term, I was appalled. But I got to admit, I was appalled when George W. Bush ran and got elected and and won twice. And, you know, the Democrats did the same goddamn thing when he won the election and bitched and moaned and complained. Oh, we cheated. He cheated. Al Gore should have won. It's always something. It's always something. So I had to get out of that Democratic Party. Not that I'm a big fan of the Republicans because they got a lot of issues too. But I'll tell you one thing. I voted for Trump because he was not a politician. Yeah. Yes. And I think he's proven to be extraordinarily uh, able in dealing with the complexities of the office, particularly when you consider he's been surrounded by enemies. I mean, this guy, I don't know. I don't think any president in history has a tougher road to hoe than Donald Trump. I mean, none, none, not one in this, in the entire history of America has any president ever gone through this, this constant barrage of, of hate, just constant hate. They won't even give the guy a, a, a friggin' star just for you know doing a couple of good things. You could Everything say the, he does uh, Mike, you not say, stand um, up to their their yeah. what? Michael, you, what? you Mike, you could say fucking. It's okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We're all adults here. It's okay. I know. I'm I'm just being I'm just being professional. But uh, all I'm saying is that not one president has gone through what they've put him through, and it's all about. Hatred. It has nothing to do with his actions because he has done a lot of good things and some things that I can't necessarily agree with. But at the most part, he's done a lot of good things for the country and the Democrats will not accept that one bit. So everything he does, they try to they try to bury him. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Michael, I know we're we're coming toward we're coming to a close here. And I, I want to add that uh, anyone who wonders about the evidence I'm talking about here for the absence of any signs that there's a real bona fide coronavirus epidemic, go to my blog at jamesfetzer.org, jamesfetzer.org, and just look at my most recent blog, which is the republication of a piece by John Rappaport, People Dying Equals Coronavirus, an Engineered Virus, and look at all of the presentations I've embedded there because I've been doing these daily reports 
with Dean Ryan in L.A. and uh, and and Mike Barra in Seattle, and we've been putting the pieces together, and we've been you know uh, 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 put synthesizing what's going on. And if you just go through what's on that one blog, you will understand the situation we're in is completely and utterly different than the propaganda you're getting out of the the tube. And and it's just stunning when when you actually. Take any issue where you really know what happened that was politically significant and compare it with how it's being presented on television. You're just dumbfounded at the enormity of the fake news, the enormity of the fake news. And I I even go so far as to say if Trump had done no more than to make us aware that the television is a propaganda medium and we're getting nothing but fake news, he would have done us a great service already by that token alone. Understood. And Jim, before I let you go, we still have the audio of the Joe Biden accuser. I'm not quite sure if you wanted to go over that really quickly here. Well, well. <laughs> Let's just jump yeah, right in there. Yeah, it's uh, rather salacious. This Joe Biden, look, let me give you another story and then you can play it. Go because ahead. the public needs to be disillusioned about Joe Biden. Uh, he has long had a tendency to be a little too friendly with little girls. Amazing. And when, uh, when Christopher Coons was sworn in as a senator from Delaware in the Oval Office by Joe Biden, his daughter was there. And after the ceremony was complete, Biden leaned over her to her and it was picked up by the mic and television. I mean, I watched it happen at the time and he said to her, do you have any idea how horny it makes me to be standing next to a 14-year-old girl? Good Lord. You can go, (laughs) they have sanitized the audio, but you can find articles expressing outrage over his having done that at the time. Just look for Joe Biden at the swearing in of Christopher Coons and what he said to his daughter. Now, this is equally bad because this is an employee of Biden who seemed to have admired him until he slammed her up against the wall and then wormed his hand into her panties and actually penetrated her digitally. Oh, my. A digital rape. Um, let's play yeah. that audio. <laughs> of, uh, creepy Joe. Digitally. Yeah, yeah digital rape. That's the strangest ac- accusation I've ever heard. <laughs> Amazing. Let, let's, let's hear this. And said, I want you to take this to Joe. He wants it. He wants you to bring it. Hurry. And I said, okay. And it was a gym bag. She said, you know, take the gym bag. She called it athletic bag. And, you know, she said he was down towards the Capitol and he'll meet you. And so I went down and I was heading down towards there. And he was at first talking to someone. I could see him at a different distance and then they went away. And then um, we were in like the side. It it was like the side area. And um, he just said, hey, come here, Tara. And then I, I handed him the thing and he greeted me. He remembered my name. And then it we were alone and it was the strangest thing. There was no like exchange, really. He just had me up against the wall. And um, I was wearing like a skirt and, you know, business skirt, but I wasn't wearing stockings. It was kind of a hot day that day. And I was wearing heels. And I remember my legs had been hurting from the marble, you know, of the Capitol. Mm-hmm. Like, walk. And I, so I remember that kind of stuff. I remember like I was wearing a blouse and he just had me up against the wall and the wall was cold. And I remember he, it happened all at once. The gym bag, I don't know where it went. I handed it to him. It was gone. And then his hands were on me and underneath my clothes. And, um, yeah, and then he went oh, he went down my skirt, but then up inside it. And he uh, penetrated me with his fingers, whatever. And um, 
I, uh, he was kissing me at the same time and he was saying something to me. He said several things and I can't remember everything he said. I remember a couple of things. I remember him saying first, before, like as he was doing it, do you want to go somewhere else? And then him saying to me when I pulled away, he um, got finished doing what he was doing and I kind of was pulled back and he said, he said, come on, man, I heard you liked me. Mm. And it's that phrase stayed with me because I kept thinking what I might've said. And I can't remember exactly if he said I thought or if I heard, but it, it's like he implied like that I had done this, like, I don't know. And for me, it was like every, everything shattered in that moment because I knew like we were alone. It was over, right? He wasn't trying to do anything more, but it's, I looked up to him. He was like my father's age. He was this champion of women's rights in my eyes. and. I couldn't believe it was happening. It didn't see, it seems surreal. And I, I just, I knew, I, I just felt sick because he, when he pulled back, he looked annoyed and he said um, something else to me that I, I don't want to say. And then he said, he, I must've looked shocked and he grabbed me by the shoulders. I don't know how I looked, but I must've looked something because he grabbed me by the shoulders and he said, you're okay. You're fine. You're okay. You're fine. And then, he walked away and he went on with his day. And what I remember next is being in the Russell building, like where the big windows are and the stairs by myself and my body, I was shaking everywhere because, and it was cold all of a sudden. And I was, I don't know. I felt like I was shaking just everywhere. And I was trying to grasp what had just happened and what I should do or what I should say. But I knew it was bad because he was so angry. Like when he left, like I could feel, you know how, when you know, someone's angry, they mm. don't necessarily, say anything like he smiles when he's angry and you can just feel it emanating from him like amazing and that was creepy joe biden uh jim do you feel that joe biden did do this oh sure 100 percent, absolutely no doubt about if it's it. true. That's as authentic as report as you could ever hear if it's true that you, is. Can, you can feel it was palpable what she was saying was authentic absolutely 100 percent. i feel bad for her and mike do you feel the same way do you think it's possible that Joe Biden might have committed this act. Once again, Michael, we spoke about this the other day. And I, it's basically her word against his. Um, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not rooting for Biden, but at the same time, I cannot make a comment on, on this woman's accusation because I, uh, I, I just don't know. Uh, and just because she's making this claim, does not mean I'm going to side with her. I right. feel sorry for her. Whatever happened, uh, it, it seemed like it may have been a traumatic situation if it indeed happened, but I, I will not make a comment on it whether I believe she is telling the truth or not. It's really not my place to say. I, I believe every word she said, just as I disbelieved every Amazing. word coming from the accusers of Kavanaugh, where we're just making up one crock story after another that was shameful and embarrassing. But it's the Democrats do these things. They, they create phony situations, phony attacks. They would do anything to, to keep Trump from appointing another member to the Supreme Court, it may even be the case that Ruth Bader Ginsburg has been on ice for some time now. I'm telling you, the next appointment to the Supreme Court is going to be a, an all-out war in the Senate, the likes of which we have never heretofore seen. My goodness. Well, once again, Jim, I do want to thank you tremendously for being a part of the program. It's always an honor and a privilege to get you in here. It's always fun. I had a great time. Jim, I hope you had fun, too. 
Oh, yeah, terrific. I just want people to know Go ahead. that there's an enormous amount of research. I'm going through hundreds of articles every single every single day. I do uh, I do six shows every single week, and three of them are news shows, two-hour news shows, where I go through 88 slides uh, for the average uh, two-hour show with other commentators, and I'm very critical about what I do here. So if you want to assess what I'm saying, you can check out the archives of my program, The Raw Deal, which is Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday, archived now at BitChute, BitChute. August uh, Chambers puts up most of my shows. He's a super good guy. 153news.net just bit the dust when they stole the physical server uh, from Jason Boss's uh, facility in Panama. They physically took it. 40,000 truther videos gone in a single stroke. Also, then my blog at jamesfetzer.org, there's a lot there about coronavirus. You can find about Oh, I don't know, eight, ten, eight or ten blogs, no doubt about it. And I'm I'm republishing the best stuff and some of my own. And then I'm also on Twitter at Jim Fetzer at Jim Fetzer on Twitter. So there's lots of resources, and I love feedback. Uh, I I I don't learn from people who agree with me, though I don't mind hearing from them. But if you think I have something wrong, I welcome hearing about it. What what I said, you think I have wrong? why you think I've got it wrong, and I'd be glad to assess it. Uh, Michael, I love being on your show. You're maybe my favorite host, and I really just enjoy these immensely. Clockwise, and once Jim. his wife once his wife kicks him out, he will be calling you. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, nasty, we have a room set up nasty, for you here, Jim. Don't worry. Nasty. We don't want to plant any ideas that anyone's <laughs> mine. Don't worry, Jim. We, we have a bed here for you. Yeah, it's all good. Thanks. Better than FEMA. We got a military cot. It's better than FEMA for sure. There you go. There you go. (laughs) All right, Jim. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Always Always an honor. Thank you so much. Take care, Jim. Yeah, super. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Mike, and thanks to Frank and calling in. Super. Mahalo. And there he goes, boys and girls. That was the one and only Jim Fetzer, a great man. As usual, a great performance here tonight. Yet again, always an honor. And Mike, earlier we were before we even started the show, we were talking about uh, your new favorite show, Joe Exotic. <laughs> Tell me about your, uh, your experience watching that and how all these people are, are kind of fucked up. Okay, so for those of you who are listening, um, what was it a week ago? A no, week, it was a couple of days a couple ago. Days ago, right? A couple of days ago, Michael said to me, "You got to watch this show on Netflix called uh, Tiger King." Tiger King, right? And, you know, for the past, it had to be like two or three weeks. Every time I would turn Netflix on, you know, they, they have like a, like a spot, like a commercial where the, the image pops up for the show so that you click on it and watch it. And I was like, I don't want to watch this crap. I don't give a crap <laughs> yes. because I, you know, sorry. I said, yes. All right. So, so I kept seeing it, but you were the one who told me, check it out. Uh, so I watched it starting about, oh, I don't know, maybe four days ago, I began watching the episodes and, um, the, there's one guy that was on the show who was actually a reporter whose name escapes me. And he said it perfect, perfect. He said, all, all these exotic animal owners are nuts. They're crazy. And I truly believe that because, um, uh, anybody that has, feels the need to own tigers and leopards and panthers and, uh, lions and bears and, and, and all these exotic animals, 
it's kind of creepy. But at the same time, um, I've got this feeling like they made a, a comment. There's over 5,000 uh, tigers uh, uh, in captivity, I think, throughout the world or, or the U.S. I can't remember where they said. And there's only 4,000 tigers in the wild. And that's because sons of bitch poachers, right? Uh, sons of bitches that they are, um, go around killing animals. And, and it's, it's largely for the Chinese – who uh, enjoy having what the, what's called uh, uh, in, in, in they they enjoy what's called having a, a tiger penis soup. Good lord! Using it, yeah, they'll pay a thousand dollars really for it. Yeah, holy yeah. shit! And that's just one of the things. Aside from its its pelt, obviously its beautiful pelt, um, and it, you know having its head on the wall, um, it, it's just abs- And it's not just tigers. Or lions. It's it's it's. I could name a, a thousand animals that are killed by sportsmen. Sportsmen. What what a stupid word. By hunters uh, who kill them just to right. hang them on the wall. So, in 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 a nutshell, I was I was kind of indifferent on, on to both sides of of the whole point of this show. On one side, you got an activist lady, Carol Baskins, I think it was something of that nature. Yeah. I think she's in Florida or Texas. Florida. And she, uh, you know, her husband went missing, a millionaire. She inherited all his money. <laughs> right. Um, Carol you know, Baskin. What happened to that guy? <laughs> you know, they said that she fed him to the lions. She probably um, did. It's very possible. Is she, she Italian? Like crackpot. Is she Italian, Mike? Oh, she didn't look Italian. She looked um, – Just Caucasian, uh, normal European? She looked like a South – South. Uh, you know, America, uh, not South American, but a Southern American, um, woman. But besides all that, what, what, she didn't look like a Sicilian is if that's what you're getting at. She, um, she just seemed like a crackpot. They all seemed like crackpots. You know, the, the one guy they brought on, I think his name was Jeff White or Wit or something like that. He's another guy. He's, he's like a millionaire. He even said it himself. Uh, I use, uh, he said, quote, I, I, I use, uh, I'm paraphrasing here. I shouldn't say quote. I use tigers, uh, you know, baby tigers to lure girls. Right. And he's got this wife who's a swinger. And he, his quote was, uh, one pussy will get you more pussy or, or lots of pussy. My goodness. I didn't hear that part. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, they're, they're, they're kind of kooky. But at the same time, you got to ask yourself, are these these endangered animals better off in captivity or are they better off in the forest living their lives, a hard life, and then some asshole poacher coming over and, you know, putting a bullet in their head? It's horrible. It is. Or they get trapped, you know, they get in a, in a trap, a snare, and it's just horrible the way they die. It's not just them. It's, it's, it's mink. It's, it's foxes. It's cougars. It's alligators, elephants, rhinos, and I could go on and on and on. We don't take care of our wildlife like we should. I mean, a lot has happened since, you know, you got PETA, you got, uh, uh, you got other organizations like, uh, animal rights organizations that are standing up for animals. But at the same time, you got to ask yourself, are they better off in captivity with people who care for them? Or are they better off in the wild where some scumbag will shoot them for their skin? Yeah, that's the conundrum. No doubt. It's a bit of a pickle, right? It is. And I, I was very disturbed by the whole film. But that guy, Joe Tight, what was his name? Joe? Joe Exotic. Joe, Joe Exotic. He put a hit out on that girl, Carol, that woman, Carol. 
uh, like you an idiot. So? Um, he was obsessed with her, or did absolutely he? obsessed with her. And she was obsessed with him too, trying to shut him down, blah, blah, blah. This guy, this guy ran for president. I didn't even know that he ran for president in 2016. I could not believe it. This guy was eccentric is, is the, isn't even the word for this guy. You know, he was extremely flamboyant and gay and he admitted that freely. He had two husbands that he married, um, had a mullet. He had, he was a Southern guy who, and he, he, he would sing songs and make music videos and he had a television show on the internet and he was so into himself. That he part really I saw. was. Yeah. That part I saw for sure. My God. Crazy show, man. Yeah. It, I haven't gone that deep with it yet. But I, once I saw I, those characters, I, I, I thought, holy shit, Mike has to see this. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I was, you know, once I watched the first episode, I was quite taken. Uh, and then another friend of mine turned me on to another show called Caliphate, uh, well, that which I haven't seen. is on Netflix. Oh my gosh. You, you have to see this. It's what's going on in Sweden right now. Well, I will check that out for sure, Mike. And of course, other people were suggesting movies to me. Of course, they were, all movies that had to deal with a pandemic, of course. <laughs> Maybe not the best thing to be watching right now. <laughs> yeah, but, it's uh, it's scary. Well, one movie that so, so, did surprise me, by the way, was the movie X-Files from 98. There's like a character in the movie that is almost talking about the same thing that's happening now. Kind of odd. Yeah. That was the movie X-Files? Yeah, from in uh, 98. Yeah, yeah. I remember when that came out. I didn't see it, but I remember when it came out. It's pretty good. Um. So I got to ask you, what did you think about what Jim was saying concerning this coronavirus being um, false? Well, I think it's very real because I know about three to four people that have contracted it. And I myself am a survivor of COVID-19. I'm pretty sure I got it a couple um, weeks back, Mike, to be honest. Right. You had mentioned that. Yeah, I think I might have caught it. So, so I think what it's do you very think? real. Do you think that the government is 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 doing this for a reason? There could you know? be. I think it's very possible. There's a lot that's going on behind the scenes that is a little worrisome. I think uh, the virus is very real. However, all the other things so that too. come, yeah, the other things that are happening behind the scenes are a little alarming. Uh, you know, I suppose everything is alarming behind doors of the government, right, um, on both sides. But uh, you know. Yeah. I just don't know what to think anymore. I really don't. I'm I'm sort of well, on the edge with this. Well, well, don't worry. All you have to do is put your hand on your monitor. And uh, <laughs> we have uh, Kenneth Copeland right here. And he's going to save you, Mike. Put your hand on that television. There you go. Yes. Go. Hallelujah. Thank Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> he received Oof. your healing. Yes. Now. Yeah, okay. Say it, I take it. I take it. I have it. I have it. It's mine. It's, it's mine. I thank you and praise you for it. Praise yes. the Lord. And I forgive if I have aught against any. And I praise I you that I'm well and whole. I praise you that I'm well. I'm well According and whole. to the word of God. The word of God, Mike. Blackmail. Yes. <laughs> and I 
consider not my own body. Yes, consider yes. Not Hallelujah. Body. I consider not symptoms in my body. I consider not symptoms in my body. But only that which God has promised. Only, only that, that which God, which God has Only that what the Word has said. Only that yeah. what the Word And by His stripes I was healed. And by His stripes I am healed now. I'm not the sick trying to get healed. I'm the healed and the devil's trying to give me the flu. He's trying to give me the goddamn flu, Mike. Kind of thing. <laughs> the fucking yeah. flu. Uh, and now Satan is gone. We, we've got rid of uh, the demons, Mike. We are coronavirus free. Did I mention sheeple? Of course. Yeah. There's a lot I, of them. Those people really jar me. Well, don't worry, Mike. We had uh, Kenneth Copeland here, and he has protected you of uh, Satan, Mike. Don't worry. Oh, that's you're He's way too late. Way too late. <laughs> Good shit I've here. been corrupted for been over corrupted. a decade now. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, that was fun tonight. I hope you enjoy tonight's program. Oh, as always, I, I, I love I love doing the show with you. And uh, yeah, it was absolutely gripping. It was a good time. And remember, Mike, we are on again very soon. Yes, uh, Thursday, I believe, right? Yeah, we have uh, EA Coetting coming up here. Right on. I'm not sure if you are familiar with him, but I definitely want you to take a look at our guest coming up here, Mike. It's um right up your alley. All right. We're going to be conjuring demons here on the show. That won't be hard. <laughs> That's true. Yes. Hallelujah. So, yeah, it's an early it's an early show on Thursday, right? Three thirty for me. Yeah, it's a little bit early for sure. It's um, uh, we had some complications with the schedule and. That was the only time we were able to get uh, EA Coiting in here. Right on. But regardless, um, we will uh, move forward and push forward. And Mike, I do want to thank you again for being a part of the program yourself, the co-host here. You've been doing a fantastic job, Mike. Wow. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And uh, I hope uh, I hope the audience is uh, is digging it as well. I think they are. If not, Good. it's too bad. <laughs> they can find another bad. show. <laughs> I mean, that's just the um, truth. If anybody is interested, uh, check out my websites. I have two of them. Uh, one of them is uh, MikeHideous.com. That's M-Y-K-E, Hideous.com. Um, and uh, that's with all my music, uh, CDs, DVDs, T-shirts, so on and so forth. And also, if you're interested in seeing any of my artwork or photography, please uh, go to Horrible artwork.com horribleartwork.com and uh, I have stuff that you can buy prints um, for photographs or my artwork um, so yeah check it out if you can very nice well thank you so much Mike and I'll see you on the other side alright Michael thank you very much my friend and I'll talk to you later Good night, mahalo everyone. take care and there he goes and caller you are on the air and we're about to head out of here what's going on Hey, Michael, this is Sean. How are you doing? What's up, buddy? How are you? Uh, hanging out here by Lawrence Livermore Lab. Finally got the electricity up. Hey, uh, great show, of course. Oh, I wanted to you. follow up on uh, your question to Mike. Oh, go ahead. In regards to uh, what you feel Fetzer was telling you tonight, if it's real. What he was trying to tell you is COVID virus is real. Right. It's the pandemic that it's false. That's false. Yeah. People have coronavirus, just not the abundance that's being reported. That's what he's trying to tell you. Well, thank you for that. I just want to clear it up because I've been listening to his shows and whatnot, and 
And of course, I listened to yours as well. And I just wanted to clarify with Mike, because I know Mike had questions on the validity of what Fetzer was telling you. So, well, understood. But the virus does exist. It's just the pandemic is what he's talking about being a hoax. Because there's no, there's no frantic hospitals packed and bodies stacked and whatnot. But people do have it. People are dying from it. It's just not what's being reported. That's all. Understood. Understood. And of course, I do want to thank you as well for calling in here and letting us know your what's on your mind here. Appreciate that. Yeah. Sorry to call it so late. It's just That's okay. the connection has been really bad. No uh, worries. Here in Northern California, they've been uh, shutting down the power and uh, the phone lines for whatever reason. So anyway, I'll re-listen to the show once again. Great job as well, Michael. No. Um, yes. Well, thank you very much. And uh, say good night to everybody. Good night. Stay safe and stay healthy, everyone. Very nice. We'll get through this somehow, as we always do. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much for calling in, buddy. All right, Michael. Take care. Uh, take care. And there he goes, boys and girls. I'm glad he got in here and made that call. And I want to thank all of you in the chat room as well for hanging out with me here. We will be back very soon next time, uh, Thursday, with EA Coetting, very early show. And remember, you can get a hold of me during the program at times via Twitter at Michael Deacon. And of course, if you want bonus material, Please direct yourself to patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. Or if you want to donate to the program itself, there is a PayPal link over at michaeldeacon.com. Go there now if you give a shit. International listeners out there, thank you so much for your support as well. As I mentioned in the intro, you can find the podcast rendition of this program on iTunes, Google Play, CastBox, and I think even Stitcher. Unless we were already booted out from there, I'm not quite sure. But it's been an interesting night yet, uh, night again here, and I appreciate all of you out there. We'll do this again very, very soon. Remember to stay safe out there, no matter where you are on this island Earth. I'm Michael Deacon, and with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody.